Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, it's been a minute. How you doing this on this uh, Friday? It has been, yeah. A little uh, late week pod. There was just not a whole lot. You know, we're kind of focused on basketball right now before we uh, turn our full attention to the spring sports here in a, a week or two. And yeah, not not a lot to get too excited about to hop on the mic this week. Uh, there's, there's some, uh, the, so, the, uh, shape and vision of Oklahoma state athletics as we know it is, uh, being upgraded in terms of facilities going to have like the athletic village. That was the, the phrase I heard a million times when I was in college, when that whole, uh, saga was unfolding in terms of buying up the land, you know, displacing all the homeowners in that area. So it's finally, it appears coming to fruition, big announcement from OSU. We'll talk about, uh, the latest, losses from Oshie men's basketball before we get to all that let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com and um man there gonna be a lot of folks coming to stillwater to that athletic village they're going to be building and uh, if you do so in the future be sure to stop by chris's we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast as always but uh colby man this basketball season just um it's been quite a roller coaster i mean at periods to start the year it appeared that the season was going to be more of the same in terms of OSU, underwhelming and uh, missing out on the tournament. Then it appeared like Mike Boynton had figured things out. And lo and behold, now they're on a five-game losing streak. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, I guess let, let me get, just get your take off the top. Just what are your thoughts on what's what's unfolded with basketball? It's just uh, it's been a bit of a been a bit of a quagmire, but also kind of you take a step back, just kind of more of the same when you look at their overall record. Yeah, it's uh, it's been depressing, really, as a fan, you know. Um, we were hyped, a lot of excitement around the program. Uh, I was committed to going to the Baylor game on Monday night. I ended up having to work until about 7, so I wasn't able to make it to Stillwater. Um, maybe I could have been done at 6 and got up there if, if, I, if I was a little more excited about it. Um, yeah, you don't get as excited to go watch a team that's on a losing streak, and it's just one of those things. I mean, what has this season been for Oklahoma State basketball? They get started – Things just aren't great, and there's a lot of questions, and then Cissé gets hurt, and they just kind of put it all together for, like, what, four weeks probably? I mean, there were three, four weeks where it was so much fun to watch Oklahoma State basketball, to be a fan. It felt like everything was going right. You know, we were talking about how close they were uh, to the leading teams in the Big 12, how much they could improve their seed going into the uh, NCAA tournament. And, I mean, from that point to where we're at today – it just couldn't possibly go much worse where now I think that you need to beat Texas Tech tomorrow and win at least a game in the conference tournament if you're going to get in. Because you mentioned last week, the committee doesn't really tend to do Oklahoma State a lot of favors. You know, if, if they should be a two-seed, they're a five. If they should be a 10, they're not in the tournament. Um, so I, I think you have to beat Tech tomorrow and win at least one tournament game. Hopefully you get matched up with OU in the first round because that's obviously a great matchup for Oklahoma State. And it's, you know, one of the, the teams in the conference that you feel like Oklahoma State always comes out and plays with confidence. But just big picture, Carson, it, it just it, – it's 
getting depressing that every time this program gets momentum, it just feels like somebody ties weights to their ankles and, and they can't move. And that's what it feels like right now. And, um, you know, you, you hope that a new streak on the other side starts tomorrow, but I don't really know where the optimism for that is. Cause I mean, they can't shoot right now. They're turning the ball over. It's just, they're playing bad basketball. And unless they find it really fast, they're only going to be playing bad, bad basketball about two more times. And then they're going to be off for nine months. Yeah. And I was, I was talking with my dad about this yesterday and he, he brought up an interesting point that I hadn't really, um, thought of. You know, their, their winning streak of five games, if you take a step back, you know, they beat Ole Miss that, and they just destroyed them. But in terms of the Big 12, Colby, they, they beat up on the bottom, the bottom of the league, Oklahoma, TCU, uh, TCU especially without their, uh, their star, Miles, uh, Texas Tech, Iowa State. It wasn't as if they were going on this run and beating some of the big boys. I mean, Iowa State's come back to earth as well. They were ranked in the top 15 when they beat them on the road or at, at, at home, I'd rather, and uh, on the road as well. Um, so I think we kind of got a little carried away myself is who I'm referring to and maybe others just in terms of who they were beating. I know they won that many games in a row and it just, uh, in hindsight, I think it, it was more coming down to the schedule than just, you know, them turning the corner. And of course they, they shot it better too. I mean, they, they hit some threes. They, they, they heated up a little bit up from the outside, which obviously was an anomaly. But um, I'm with you, Colby. If they don't beat Texas Tech, they're not getting in. And frankly, they should not get in. I mean, in terms of, you know, we we discussed what the committee typically does with Oklahoma State. I mean, even if they beat Texas Tech, they get them to 8 and 10. I would normally like their chances to get in at 8 and 10, but I don't know. The way they've played down the stretch, I don't think they're very deserving unless they beat Tech and win a game in the Big 12 tournament. If they don't do that, Colby, there will be no complaints from me come selection Sunday that I can guarantee you, which I didn't really expect. I thought it'd be much tighter coming down the stretch, but they really have played their way out of the tournament and now they got a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, they have. And it's one of those things. I I mean, obviously if it goes poorly, you'll still just kind of cross your fingers and hope, right? You just hope that you get in. If you finish at, I don't know, I think there's a big difference between finishing sixth in this conference and seventh in this conference. They're a game back of Iowa State right now for that sixth spot uh, and a game ahead of West Virginia for that eighth spot. So, you know, th- things have not gone well. You lose to Texas Tech tomorrow, and all of a sudden they're at six wins now in conference, and they're threatening to take a spot away from you. West Virginia could be threatening to take a spot away from you. And I really think that the Iowa State win – in Ames is the one that was a little bit fool's gold for us because I, I think we recognize, right? I, Ole Miss, that's a bad opponent. Oklahoma, that's a bad opponent. These aren't quality wins. But they went into Ames and won, and that Iowa State team had thrown out some fool's gold earlier this season. They have massively come back down to earth, losing at home to Oklahoma State for their first home loss of the season, and then they lost to a first home conference loss of the season. Then they lose to uh, Oklahoma, you know, get outscored by, like, what was it? 16 points, I think, in the second half by OU and lose another home game. I think that was the one that was fool's gold that got us excited because, again, TCU, no Mike Niles, also no Eddie Lampkin in that game, uh, who's been coming off the bench for them, came off the bench the other night in a big win for them over Texas. Uh, TCU's won a couple in a row now. They're a really good team. I'm going to pick them probably to get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, Yeah, the, the Iowa State win tricked us, Carson. It tricked us into thinking that this team could compete with the upper echelon of this conference. And I think we've seen over the last two weeks that right now that just simply is not the case. Yeah, and 
it's pretty easy to pinpoint the issues and there's a lot of them. I won't touch on all of them, but uh, Bill Haston wrote a very good article on the Tulsa world friend of the pod read his stuff. Uh, he had some interesting numbers, you know, during their five game win streak that immediately preceded this five game losing streak, OSU allowed 64 points per game. They're one of the best defensive teams in the conference and, and the country, but during the losing streak, uh, they've given up an average of 84 points. In its last four games, they've made 25% of their three-point attempts. And uh, it's just that you do that, Colby, you're that bad defensively and you're that bad shooting from the three-point line. That that spells it out pretty simple. But the most interesting thing in the article that I found, Colby, how about this? Eddie Sutton had a 16-season home record of 205 and 26. He lost 26 home games in his 16 years at Oklahoma State. That is just ungodly. It's another example of why he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, but since 2015-2016, OSU has lost 46 games in their famous home gym of Gallagher-Iba Arena. So that just shows you, Colby, just their home court advantage has dissipated. Obviously, having a Hall of Fame coach <laughs> is why they had that record at home. But just think about this. Under Travis Ford, Brad Underwood, and Mike Boynton, Baylor has won eight straight games at Gallagher-Iba. That's just – that's where OSU is now in terms of being a basketball program. They're no longer feared in Stillwater, and they're unable to defend their home court. And simple as that. Yeah, I think that there's somewhat of a chicken-and-the-egg conversation to be had around the home court advantage and the success of the team. Um and even with the thunder coming in, you know, when Eddie Sutton was in Stillwater, college basketball, I mean, it was one of the biggest things in the state of Oklahoma. And it was certainly a bigger deal in Stillwater than even football. You know, with the rise of football uh, in Stillwater, basketball attendance, all those things have gone down. Same with the thunder being in town. But college basketball was the ticket when Eddie Sutton was in Stillwater. And now it's not. Now it's really hard to get people up there on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Saturdays, you, you do a little bit better, but you're still not packing that arena for most of your Saturday games. It's normally 70% full, even on the weekends. And I think it's kind of chicken in the egg. Did they start losing games at home because the atmosphere got worse? Because there's just, we're living in the modern world. There's more things to do. People aren't coming up on a Tuesday night at 8 o'clock to watch you host West Virginia. Or did people stop showing up because they stopped winning games and I, I mean, it's probably easiest to just sit on the fence and say it's a little bit of both, but um, I do think it's a little bit of both. It's there, there are other things going on. There are less reasons for me to drive an hour and 15 minutes to, you know, park a half mile away, walk to the arena, get home at 11 PM on, on a Tuesday night. There are so many less reasons than to, to do that than there used to be. And one of them, is the fact that you're just not going to watch an elite college basketball team. You're going to watch a very average team um, that unless you're playing one of the teams kind of in your realm, you're going to get beat. I'm going to say it's 11 and five at home overall this year. That, that includes the non-con uh, that includes the, the old miss cupcake game. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty poor and the atmosphere hasn't been great, but I get why, because there's just not a lot of excitement around this program. And every time there is some, something happens that just knocks it back down. Yeah, and I, I don't by any means mean to equate their home record and home court with atmosphere or crowds. It's To me, good teams protect their home court, bottom line. I don't care what's going on in terms of the stands and, and whatever else, Stillwater, driving to Gallagher. But for me, it's good good teams defend home court. I mean, yeah. good teams win conference games at home. And I think that's the biggest thing that's held, holding this program back. And so it 
while it appeared at times this year that this program was was getting off the mat, as I as I famously tweeted during the TCU win, that there, anytime there's any semblance of momentum for the OSU men's basketball, the rug just gets pulled out completely from under them. And that's what we've seen in the last five games. I don't know what's going to get them over the hump, Colby. I don't know if it's a new head coach. I don't know if it's any of those things structure-wise in terms of coaching, assistant coaches, anything of that nature. It's just, to me, it's just, it's, it's a broken track record. And, and for me personally, it's, it's really started to kind of kill my interest in, in OSU men's basketball, which again was what made me fall in love with OSU was not football. It was going to old Gallagher, Iba, watching those Eddie Sutton teams that were so good that would guard your face off and really the environment that was back then. And you mentioned it, Thunder's changed a lot of things, but for me, it's just, it's such a broken record, Colby. I don't know how you feel about it, but my interest has severely waned in, in OSU men's basketball. And I, I lived and died possession by possession my entire youth, especially when I was in college with those guys. Tony Allen and I would see each other on campus all the time. I was living and dying. And now it's just kind of, I kind of like shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, that sounds about right. I, I don't, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on just how much your interest has waned just with this quagmire. And I use that second time I've used that word just when terms of where the program is and, and seemingly is, is not moving from where it is. Yeah. You, you know, my interest will never be as high as it was as a kid. I think I was 11 uh, when that 014 made the final four run. It, it's, it was very different back then. Yes. I, I lived and died on every game. Uh, we watched every game. We went to the ones that we could get to that we could get tickets to, to sit uh, with our backs against the top wall in the third section, just to catch uh, a glimpse of them in person when they were playing Northeastern state. It, it's never going to be that again for me, no, no matter what level they take it to, but I still have found myself Carson over these last, you know, seven, eight, probably even go back further than that. You can even go back to the Marcus Smart, uh, LeBron Nash, Markel Brown years. Uh, I mean, we're going back 10, 12 years now. I still, I still feel myself getting excited every time they go on a winning streak. When, when Cade comes in, the Juwan Evans year was a blast. Even the stretch this year when they won, what was it, six of seven or seven of eight? Every time they go on a little run, every time that there's some excitement, I find myself back on the hook. Uh, and again, not like it was when I was 11 years old, but I still find myself watching and just waiting for it to click and the magic season to happen where you're a two seed and everything goes right and you make that final four run. Every time something good happens, I, I lean in onto the edge of my chair and I just wait for it to come together and things to go right for OSU basketball. And as soon as I get to the edge of my chair and I'm watching for it to go right, that's when it comes crashing down. My chair gets pulled out from under me. I fall onto the ground, splatter into a million pieces. It's it's been so hard to be an OSU basketball fan lately because I want to be invested. I want to love this team the way I once did. And I just can't get there because the results haven't allowed me to. But I, I think myself and a lot of Oklahoma State fans still want to love OSU basketball the way we used to. We just need them to give us a reason to for more than two or three weeks at a time. Yeah, I know. I think that's that's crucial. You're right. I mean, there's there's been moments, the moments you mentioned. Uh, I remember Brad Underwood got the place packed. Mike Boynton's done that towards the end of some seasons as well. OSU fans are just dying for OSU to be relevant and consistently good. I mean, the interest is still there. It's still 
there's still those seeds of being a basketball school. And people are just, as soon as OSU gets any good at all, that place is, is close to packed and it's exciting and it's loud. I mean, just this season that even occurred. Uh, so no, it's, it's disappointing. I, I'm beginning to question the future of the program under the head coach, Mike Boynton. Uh, just, it's not working. I mean, um, I, I'm not saying they should get rid of them. I'm not saying they fought, should fire them by any means. I just think that the clock's ticking for me. It's, uh, it hasn't been ticking with all the, the reasons that in factors he's had to deal with with NCAA. But as I keep hammering home, basketball's a sport you can get good really fast. And they, they, have, they just haven't done it. I mean, they had Cade. They had a good run there. Um, just just hasn't happened. And at what point do you shake shake Mike Boyne's hand? We love you. You're you're so beloved here in Stillwater. You're recruiting the lights out. At what point, Colby, is it come down to wins and losses? And you got to just shake hands and say, you know what? It's, it's not working out. Yeah, that's a tough question. It is because basketball, I think more so than any other sport, more than any other team sport, because you have so few guys out there, one, two guys can make all the difference. And he's recruiting well. He's bringing guys in. And I don't know how we, as Oklahoma State, um, I don't know if we're considered analysts, fans, somewhere in between. I don't know how the fan base manages expectations and what to do with this coach who everybody loves and wants to be successful, but just is not producing the level of wins, the tournament appearances, the, the tournament runs, those things that you, you need to happen at the power five level at Oklahoma state um, to, to keep your job and to stick around and, and to be afforded more opportunities. And he's been afforded a lot of them. And I think that he'll be afforded some more just because of the hand that he was dealt with some NCAA stuff and because of his recruiting, because I tell you what, if Oklahoma State was sitting here 63rd in the nation in recruiting and having a poor season, I, I mean, I'd probably be calling for his job today. But, you know, they're not. They're, they're having a poor season. They might miss the tournament. But he's he's giving us hope that there are guys coming in who can be program changers and get you to where you're, you're finishing top half of the Big 12 every year. You're going to the tournament year in and year out. And then once you get there, who knows if you make a run. So – it's honestly something that I really struggle with, Carson, as we do this show, and I, I want to be balanced and I want to be fair and, you know, try to evaluate coaches in the same way. It's it's hard to do because, um, you know, we talk football so much of the year. Things went poorly last year and the recruiting was bad. That's part of why everybody got up in arms. With basketball, things are going poorly, but the recruiting's really good. So some people are up in arms. Some people aren't. Um, and, and those things are hard to balance. Sometimes I'm having a, a hard time balancing with Oklahoma state basketball. Uh, my genuine like for Mike Boynton and my wish for him to succeed along with the fact that right now the results just aren't there, but the idea that they could be coming because of the recruiting classes, it, it truly is a conundrum. Um, and I'm glad that people making a lot more money than me have to make those decisions because, um, Mike Boynton is going to have to start winning or he, he will be asked to leave, and that is just a tough, tough decision to make with someone so well-liked who does a good job on the recruiting trail. It is. It's tough, but this is year six. I mean, do you do you wait till year 10, 11, 12, 15? What's the, what's the cutoff? I, I think that's a tough question to answer, but that's kind of where I'm wondering. <laughs> Another tough question to answer is what is the bar of success in order to continue to get more opportunities to build. 
you know, and, and I don't, yeah. I, you know where that line is. I don't know where that line is. I don't know what that bar is. I think you got to finish top half of the big 12. You got to make the tournament. You, you have to make the tournament. You have to be a bad basketball team to come from a conference this well-respected uh, to, to not make the tournament. And I know it's tough playing in the big 12. Uh, I certainly don't take that lightly, but uh, that that's the standard. You, you, you're a bad basketball team. If you, I mean, you can make the tournament with a losing conference record for crying out loud. To me, it's kind of like a bowl game. That's how I think you got to be really bad to not make it. I think that's a that's a prerequisite. Now, go to Sweet 16s and all that. We'll we'll take it one step at a time. But for me, it's finish top half of the Big 12 and make the tournament. And that's just something that hasn't happened with regularity since since Eddie was here. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. This year, I still feel like Mike Boynton. I think he's right at the end of his slack with the fan base. I, I think the fan base is kind of in a position where it's like, okay, things have gone poorly. We get Avery Anderson in her injury. You know, he misses a month. Musa misses a month. And, and Musa went down with an injury the other night, uh, came back in. I, I think that there are still some reasons that could also be twisted into excuses. And, you, you know, it. Uh, everybody wants to see him succeed, but I think that he's he's kind of run out of his slack with the fan base. I think next year really is a make-or-break year for Mike Boyne. I would agree. Uh, you ready to talk about the new athletic village announcement that occurred this week? Big news for Oklahoma State. Village money, man, money is flowing in collegiate athletics. Well, if the money's not flowing yet, it's a three hundred twenty-five million dollar plan called the Vision Plan. It'll include a new wrestling facility, new softball stadium, new indoor track, new football operations center, new training center for basketball, upgrades to the equestrian center. Upgrades to Karsten Creek and repurposed areas in the West End Zone of Boone Pickens Stadium and Gallagher Iba for academic services. So, Colby, this is going to be funded entirely by donors, debt free. And what what's most interesting to me uh, is the fact that certain projects can jump the line if donors essentially step up and say, "You know what? I want a new wrestling facility." Boom! Here's here's the money. Uh, these projects won't start until they're fully funded. So OSU donors are really going to get to prioritize which comes first, which I thought was interesting. It, it kind of breeds competitiveness for uh, for Chad Weibrick and company and to get the money in, in tow. But um, it's it's really the athletic village that was the dream whenever Boone Pickens first donated all, all that money. Yeah, absolutely was. And um to me, the most interesting aspect of it are the potential upgrades to Karsten Creek, uh, but I know that not everyone feels exactly the same way. I, I looked at some of the overhead renderings, where things are going to go, all that stuff. I, I think softball is incredibly deserving. Um, you know, they, they've done such a good job. Coach Gajewski has been such a bright spot for Oklahoma State and really gotten the softball team to a point. I, I mean, when I was in school, Carson, which wasn't that that long ago, I mean, I graduated in May of 15, it's like, Baseball was the thing in the spring. Everybody was wanting baseball to get the new stadium. Baseball was on the up and up with, with Josh Holiday. And you look at the results, softball has just flown past baseball in the results. When you're talking about contending in the Big 12, Oklahoma State baseball's done really well in the Big 12 tournament, but um, getting to the Women's College World Series, winning some, some games at the Women's College World Series, uh, softball has bypassed baseball in terms of on-field success, and softball is certainly deserving of a reward. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what comes first and what gets kicked down the line. But I think all in all, it's very encouraging for Oklahoma state. And the reality is 
Uh, you know, I saw some stuff on Twitter. You spend all this money here. Where, where's money going elsewhere and all that stuff? To compete in just about any sport in modern collegiate athletics, you have to spend money. You have to have money. You have to spend it. You have to constantly be upgrading facilities. And Oklahoma State has to keep doing that because athletic success uh, it does a lot for universities. So hopefully this money will will start rolling in sooner rather than later and these upgrades can be made. But yeah, I think softball is certainly deserving of being near or at the front of that line. I would agree. I mean, when you just factor in that the Women's College World Series is right there in Oklahoma City, uh, the, the interest that it now occurs surrounding the Women's College World Series, like softball's I mean, it's not a moneymaker in terms of basketball and football, not by any means, but the interest in softball has exploded and it's a viable, I mean, you can fill that stadium. It's a, it's a quick sport. Doesn't take five hours to play, uh, that the TV ratings suggest that there's a ton of interest around softball. I'm totally with you, man. I, I think softball in a lot of ways has surpassed college baseball in terms of just general fan interest. And certainly in the television ratings, it really has. And I think the, the pace of, of play is a, is a big factor in that. And just, you know, just the explosion of softball in general. So no, I, I think that's huge. I think the wrestling facility is huge just in terms of where that program has been and where it needs to go. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And I, I wanted to get your take too, Colby on the, uh, the welcome plaza at Gallagher Iba arena when, you know, that used to be the, the extra football practice field field right there on that, that side, uh, I believe it's the uh, what is it the, the east side of Gallagher Iba. Uh, that that'll be new because I, I remember going into old Gallagher Colby and you kind of walk around the football stadium and it always kind of felt like you were going in some kind of like side side uh, fire exit entrance and there was never quite a <laughs> an entrance to Gallagher. You don't, you found the right doors on the right corners, but it's never truly had this. You know, this is the place that you go into Gallagher Iba. So I think that'll be kind of cool too. Yeah, I do think that'll be really cool. Hey, maybe that's what the uh, men's basketball program needs for a kickstart is a little welcome plaza. Making it to, uh, <laughs> uh, Cody Nagel actually had a, a very funny shot from the rendering that they posted online uh, and on social media that one of the cars, one of the cars that was digitally rendered in the parking lot in the photo looked like it had its tire slash. It was sitting on the rims. Did you see that? Yes, I did. <laughs> How does that even happen? And and what a what a catch by Cody, by the way, to zoom in and see the tires that got its the car that got its tire slashed in the digital rendering. But yeah, I think that that will be cool. And I think Gallagher, Iba, like you said, it's deserving of more of an entrance than what it's had. You know, you just kind of walk around Boone Pickens Stadium if you're parking out northwest and you turn the corner. No, it's there. And um, yeah, I think that that'll be cool and much more fitting for an arena of Gallagher, Iba's caliber. Yeah, I would agree. You can see all these renderings on uh, pistols firing. Got a nice write up there uh, from Kyle Boone on the homepage. So it's a it's a big deal, and big deal comes with uh, you know higher expectations of those coaches who are running those programs. So it'll be uh, it'll be fascinating to watch and see it unfold. And I can't wait till it's all done. It's just gonna I think it's gonna really enhance the game day experience for all those sports. Just having it all right there, and certainly for the athletes as well. Um, you ready for bullets and BBs or you want to get to this Pac-12 expansion, Big 12 expansion story? Oh, let's go Pac-12. I'm always eager to talk Pac-12. Yeah, the latest uh, as the Pac-12 turns, it appears, you know, as they're they're still trying to hammer out their media rights deals and who knows what network they're going to end up on. I mean, uh, wasn't wasn't I making the joke about the, the CW last week, Colby? And now there's, oh, I can't remember who tweeted at me, but 
I wasn't that far off. I was pretty dang close. Was it Ion Television? Is that what they're floating out now? Is Ion Television? I think it was that and like Apple, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they better hope that they wind up on Apple because the jokes, if they wind up on Ion, Carson, we we won't even need content anymore. We'll just make Pac-12 jokes the entire show every week. Well, there might not be a Pac-12 to make fun of anymore uh, if things progress because it appears the Big 12 and Brett Yormark are ready to pounce. Uh, it appears he's eyeing the, what they're calling the four-corner schools, which would be uh, uh, Utah, Colorado, and the two Arizona schools. And I think the obvious thing there, Colby, is it, it locks up the mountain time zone. I think that's something that Brett Yormark was really eager to do is dip into a different time zone. I, I think this makes way more sense in terms of the Big 12 central time zone market than when you pair them with like the West Coast. You're not going to get nearly as many of those 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock kickoffs here in Oklahoma. You're going to get a much more feasible league that the time difference isn't so drastic to where it's just it's just not as disjointed. So I think, you know, my first instinct was like, oh, we don't want Colorado back. They can they they made their bed. They can they can lie in it. But I think it makes sense pairing Utah with BYU, bringing in Colorado and, and certainly the Arizona schools direct flight to, to Phoenix. It makes a lot of sense in terms of the geography, I, I would say. Yeah, geographically, it is the way to go. I mean, I think Oregon's a bigger draw. I think Washington certainly is a bigger draw, but that is further away geographically. It's interesting some of the things that get tossed out around conference realignment. I heard somebody the other day talking about they should just do a, a mega Pac-12 ACC merger and just have basically the Pac-12 merges into the ACC, and now they've got ACC East and ACC West, and they just play in their own sides of the country all year, and then they come together in the middle for a conference tournament. You you just get some wild things thrown out. I think a much more realistic scenario is that the Big 12 goes and poaches some schools, and I think those schools in the mountain time zone uh, are ripe for the taking, and are they numbers one, two, three, and four on your wish list? Probably not, but what we've seen is that sitting on your hands and doing nothing – that is the absolute wrong thing to do. You know who sat on their hands, Carson, and thought that they wouldn't do anything? Did any, any particular conferences come to mind? A few. The Pac-12. <laughs> about the Pac-12? Sat on their hands, didn't want to do anything, and now they're getting plucked. That is what's going to happen in modern collegiate athletics. I, if, if those are the four that you can get, and you can get them right now, go get them. Don't wait around for Oregon. Don't wait around for Washington. If you can get those four, get them and guarantee that you are one of the conferences moving forward that's going to survive and is going to thrive. Yep, I love it. And uh, it's amazing how those two have flipped uh, just in such a short period of time. And I, again, I think Brett Yormark is a boss and he, he's doing some big things. And I'm really excited about that. And he also kind of mentions he, he thinks college basketball is a way more viable moneymaker in terms of television. I think that's why the, it kind of leaked that he was going after Gonzaga. I think he wants to even kind of separate the the basketball TV deal and see what he can get from that. So a lot of big things happen for the Big 12. It appears it will survive and hopefully kills those hoity-toity, you know, highbrow West Coasters who really don't care about college football. That's my hope. So without further ado, let's get to uh, Bullets and BBs. Colby, what do you got for me this week? Uh, Bullets. Where did my bullets go? I wrote it down. You go, Carson. I've got eight pieces of paper here, and I lost my bullets. Okay. My bullet goes to, for the first time in program history, the Oshu Cowgirls are the Big 12 indoor track and field champions. Big shout-out to them. They get, a, they get a bullet this week. Also, Dave Smith, 
who's been there seemingly forever. He's the women's coach of the year in track and field. So that was a big deal, Colby, a really big deal for, for the track and field program, which also getting uh, some much-needed upgrades to their facility. So it's been a big week for them. It has. It has. My, uh, my bullet, actually, I did find it here. It wasn't OSU-related. Weirdly, I have an obsession right now with TCU basketball. I have been focusing on TCU basketball because I think Mike Miles is one of the best players in the country. I think he's one of the best guards in the country. And I think they're a very dangerous team with him out there. And Carson, they beat Texas. What was it, Wednesday night, I believe? They beat Texas in a close one. Did you happen to see Mike Miles' stat line in their win over Texas? Um, No, I did not. I, I imagine not. There was no reason to see it. There was no reason it would have stood out. He had one point on zero made field goals in the game. They beat Texas with Mike Miles scoring one point on zero made field goals. He made a free throw. That was it. In 36 minutes. Played 36 minutes, one point, no made field goals. They beat Texas. This TCU team is dangerous, Carson. Every time I watch them, I, I somebody else stands out to me. They're they're solid late. They had the kid, uh, Coles, I think it was, Saturday against Texas Tech that made free throws. I, I don't know why. Every so often, there's just a team that grabs your interest, and TCU has been that team this year. Um, and I'm still peeved at TCU generally for hiring Art Bryles, uh, not Art Bryles, Kendall Bryles, what's the difference, to be their offensive coordinator. As far as the basketball team goes, I am starting to think about brackets, and I'm thinking a lot about the Horn Frogs because if they can beat Texas with Mike Miles throwing up, what is that, a breadstick, one single up and down line, um, yeah, they're very dangerous. Yeah, you've been you've been talking quite about the, uh, a bit about them. Have you... What are their odds to win the national title? And have you sprinkled a little on that? That's a great question. I have not. I don't think it's a terrible bet. You know what it is, Carson? The reason that I've become obsessed with a random college basketball team. Um, it's the three TV setup. It allows me to watch so many more things. And not even, you don't even have to actively watch them all. I can just throw TCU basketball over on the side and uh, peek up in the last four minutes whenever the game's close. I love that. Um I'll remember that when I'm filling out my bracket, how, how bullish you are on TCU. If they go out in the first round, I'm going to blame you. Uh, let's see. National championship odds, they're 33-1 to 1 to win the Natty. Okay. What? How far down the list is that? St. Mary's. That is probably in the 15 range. Probably okay. about 15 best odds. They've All got right. uh, Texas is 28-1. to 1. Let's see where the rest of the Big 12 is. Baylor is 14-1. to 1. Kansas is 9-1. to 1. Any guesses to who the Vegas odds-on favorite to win the national title is? Um, no, I don't. Play it on me. The Cougs, Houston. Man, Kel how good's Kelvin Sampson? Okay. I know he's not well liked around these parts, but my God, can that man coach college basketball? Seven to one. Alabama's plus seven fifty. Yeah, I I picked Houston to go to the Final Four last year, so I might. I might be on board with that as well. Uh, I'll probably be on board with Houston. I don't think I'm on board with Bama. I think there's just there's a lot of distractions right now around the Alabama basketball program. I might even I might even pick the uh, eight or nine to get them, depending on who they get matched up with. Yeah. Well, hopefully we get to pick OSU in the bracket, but it's not looking likely at this point. What do you got for uh, BBs? Uh, BBs. It. You know, my plan was to just go. Uh, Oklahoma State basketball, but it's so late in the week now by the time that we're recording. I want to talk about a little bit of an off-the-wall um, subject, and it's not totally off-the-wall. I mean, people are talking about it. I've seen it talked about on social media, and um, 
women's wrestling, women's wrestling is really starting to catch on. Carson, at the high school level, at the collegiate level, uh, there's some Division One programs, some Power Five programs that, that are looking into it. And, you know, Oklahoma State's idea right now is to just kind of wait and see. And I don't know that, that wait and see is the way to go here. Seth Duckworth, uh, who we know writes for Pistol Firing Blog, covers wrestling, uh, does an awesome job. I got to play golf with him last summer. Um, love Seth's work and love reading all of his stuff. And, and essentially... I trust him on these matters. And what he's saying is it, yes, it would be a commitment, but you could do it really pretty cheap right now. You can make it happen and you could be at the forefront of this thing and kind of establish yourself as one of the best women's wrestling programs in the country, because you got in early, you boost that program up. Maybe it's a help to your men's program, um, which has fallen drastically from its glory days. You know, men's Oklahoma state wrestling is, is really just kind of uh, just another good program. Now they're not elite anymore. That, that ship has kind of sailed on Oklahoma state men's wrestling. Um, No, no team national championships in a long, long time. So uh, I think that it's a mistake for Oklahoma state to not seize this opportunity. I think if you sit around and wait, this is a sport that's going to continue to grow. Other schools are going to beat you to the punch and then you're going to be playing catch up. Um, So I'm going to go BB on Oklahoma state because I, I don't think that they're necessarily being as forward thinking as they are here. Something that I think would be very low risk and high reward. How's that work with Title Nine? Is, is Seth suggesting it's like a club team, not a officially sponsored, you know, officially scholarship sport, or how's yeah. that work? Great question. Because to me, Title Nine, like you had a women's sport. Um, what is that? How does that affect the men's numbers? You know, scholarship wise. So I think that's. I don't know if it comes in as club. I I will um, I will defer to Seth. Uh, and, and I'm sure that he's going to write more about this. He's got a story up about it right now on pistolfiringblog.com, and I'm sure that he'll continue to write about it and tweet about it. I'll defer to him on what that would do to that situation yeah. because I don't want to speak out of turn and say something inaccurate. Well, and congratulations to Seth. Uh, he uh, He's moving on. He's going. He's going. He's been working for O-Wrestle for a while, and I think he's going to work with them full-time. He announced uh, he was going to be leaving uh, Pistols Firing. It's been a great run for him. He's really enhanced not just the coverage of wrestling for pistols firing, but really the coverage of wrestling as a whole. I don't know where it would be without Seth Duckworth. Uh, that's, that's how preeminent he's become in terms of coverage of that sport. And I know, um, he's going to continue to crush it and he's not leaving under bad terms as I understand it, or by any means, he's such a super guy, which you mentioned. So we wish him the best and, uh, let's give him a, an honorary bullet. Yeah. Bullet for Seth. Great job. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm going to give a BB for the sport of college football. Um, they're proposing some rule changes, which are good and worthy of a bullet. Um, they're going to get rid of back-to-back timeouts to ice a kicker, the end of the running clock, a 10-second runoff uh, at the ends of the second quarter, I believe, third quarter, things of that nature. And they're going to stop stopping the clock after first downs except for when it's under like two minutes and that to me is why this gets a bb like i've never understood colby why they've stopped the clock after a first down uh it's not played like that in the nfl uh, all it does is it, they're, they're trying to cut down the length of games colby and i think to stop the clock you got to spike it or have a timeout that's that to me that is totally part of the strategy of football especially in the last two minutes 
I want the games to be shorter. They average about three hours and 20 minutes. That's a joke. Uh, I, I know you still have to run commercials and pay the bills. I get all that, but Colby, it's kind of like in college basketball where they start fouling the end of games. It just extends the end of, end of those games forever. Same thing with college football with, you know, the way they're able to stop the clock with timeouts, with spiking the football and then getting first downs and things of that nature. It's just, these games are too long, Colby. They, they need to go further than they're proposing. Just no stopping of the clock after first downs. Why is this so hard? No, you're absolutely right. I, I've never understood why they stop it after first downs. It adds an unnecessary uh, amount of time to the game. It, it minimizes the importance of timeouts late in games and strategy, being able to get up and spike the ball, getting everybody aligned, all that stuff. It, it has never made sense. It's just uh, something that seems so arbitrary that college football just got together and was like, ah, stop it after first downs. Let's, let's give everybody a little more time to get this together. Uh, no, I think that that's absolutely, um, coaching, save those timeouts, make them more valuable and shorten the games. Because like you said, I mean, Carson, it's getting to a point where to go to Stillwater for a game on a, on a Saturday. I mean, when we do this in the fall and, and we're taking the baby up last fall, she'll be a toddler this year. I mean, I'm budgeting four hours for game time when we're planning the day, when we're planning snacks and food and everything for the kiddo. It's I, I have changed how I've looked at things now as a parent. I mean, I'm budgeting four hours for these games and a lot of times they're hitting that and it's, it's screwed up TV windows. You know, you have a two thirty kick and a team was playing a kicked off at 1105, 1110. You better be ready to flip over to ESPN plus to watch the first half of the first quarter of your game. Cause they're not going to be done yet. Um, so yeah, they, they've got to find a way to shorten these games and the easiest way to do it is to just let the clock run after first downs. Uh, unless of course you are, uh, within the last two minutes, if, if they want to do that, because that's what college football has always been. So be it. But even then I don't like it. I, I don't think you should stop it after first downs, call a timeout, spike the ball. That's part of the strategy. Completely agree. Well, and especially because in college they're, they're throwing the ball way more than the NFL. Uh, NFL games average about 155 plays. Uh, the average in college football about 180. Um, and I, I also hate the replay rules. Like this is why it's getting a BB. Like they they're just so slow to change. And it's like just change it all right now. Like this is such a like it's so bad the product that they're they're putting out there with the replay system. Like just just copy the NFL. If a coach wants to risk a timeout and challenge something, cool. If not, we're going to the next play. How many times, Colby, you've been watching an OSU game in the first quarter? A guy steps out of bounds close to the first down marker, and they're reviewing that in the first quarter. I mean, on and it's like second down. I just that that's a total waste. So BB to college football, fix it, make the game shorter, make it more watchable, less replays, less stoppage o'clock. Done and done. Done and done. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, we done for the day? You got anything else? Uh, that's a great question. Oh, uh, I meant to bring up to you. I'm gonna whisper it, so I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything. But Colby, Ricky Fowler's kind of back. Dude, did you watch yesterday? I've watched yesterday, and if you look up his strokes gained approach numbers, the last four tournaments, he's like top two or three. I mean, he his irons working with Butch Harmon. He's. I don't want to say he's back back to where he was finishing in the top five of every major, but he's gaining a semblance of his old form, I'll say. 
Uh, Butch is a magician. He is finally up for the World Golf Hall of Fame. I don't know how he doesn't get in. He absolutely should get in, if for no other reason than what he's done with Ricky Fowler over the last six months. A guy who for three years now, it has seemed like his career was just going to fall off a cliff. It had fallen off a cliff. He was down almost outside the top 200 in the world. Uh, he's back up to like 70th. He missed the players championship last year because he wasn't qualified. The players championship is next week. He will be there. I timed a ski trip very poorly and I'm going to get to watch virtually zero shots uh, of the players championship from Friday through Sunday, which I'm really upset about the way <laughs> I did that to myself. That, that was really unfortunate, but he's playing good golf. Uh, he played well earlier today, the putting stroke. It's a new putter, but it looks it looks different. It looks weird, but it looks good. He's making some putts. Uh, let's see where he ended up today. Scrolling through here. He's three under total, and he's already played today in a stiff wind. He is very much in this golf tournament. Uh, I'm enjoying watching him right now. Let's see what his, his best metric is this week. He is sixth in strokes gained around the green. There you go, Ricky. Get that ball up and down. He's uh, He's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he hadn't hit it as well this week but uh, the wind is howling looks like an Oklahoma day out there we'll see Victor Hovland in the afternoon so it's gusting out there at the uh, Arnold Palmer so uh, also one last note Charles Howell third winning on the live tour Colby why how is there not an Oklahoma State golf team yet on, on that tour just someone I think it was Cody Nagel second shout out for him said that they should create their own OSU team and call it golf school uh, yeah, they could get like a knockoff pistol Pete, like Microsoft word art logo to be their, their, their team logo. There's a bunch of who else yeah. Charles out thirds down there. Taylor Gooch is down there. Matthew Wolf's down there. And Eugenio Chicago is down there. That's four. That's how many they have on teams. Well, if, if Liv wants to pony up $325 million for the new athletic village, they can use swing and Pete for a couple tournaments. Right. I mean, they might, there's clearly a pipeline flowing from, uh, water <laughs> Oklahoma to live golf. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that Charles Howell III, one of the good guys out there, uh, gets, gets a W on the, the live tour, but, uh, Colby, anything else before we get out of here? Appreciate you joining us. Uh, I, yes. One more thing. I want to put you on the spot and I want an official prediction for tomorrow's game in Lubbock five o'clock. Oh, well, the last time I picked them to lose, they won. And the most recent game I picked them to win, they lost. So I'm going to say they're going to lose Texas tech and really all the evidence suggests they will. But um, it's hard to pick OSU to beat anybody right now, Colby. Just leave it at that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they beat Tech. I don't think they get in the tournament. Here's my problem I have with trying to pick Oklahoma State to win tomorrow. Uh, I've been watching the games recently. And, Carson, the amount of times that I've watched Oklahoma State move the ball around pretty well and then just have an open shooter on the left wing just clank one off the back of the iron. Hmm. I mean, it is getting exhausting. It is getting truly exhausting watching this team shoot threes. Uh, it just feels like they're not going in. Even when they're wide open, Oklahoma State's four and seven on the road this year. They're on a five-game losing streak. I, I was optimistic that they would split with Kansas State and Baylor. I actually picked them to win the Kansas State game, but I really thought that they would get a split there with their backs against the wall. Backs are still against the wall, but they're not playing very good basketball. Nearly lost to Tech a few weeks ago at home. I think they get beat tomorrow, Carson, unfortunately. And I think if they get beat tomorrow, then they're probably two or three tournament wins, uh, Big 12 tournament wins away from making the big dance. I would agree. Um, have a good weekend, Colby. You do the same. Uh, we'll be back next week before I head to the mountains once again. So we'll break down what happens with Oklahoma State this weekend and tournament early next week, mid next week, probably a Wednesday game for Oklahoma State. So good stuff, Carson, as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Pokes.